It's my Bible. It is the Word of God and the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine. And I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive as I'm taught the Word of God. My life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. And as you're being seated, if you would, turn to 1 John. Turn to 1 John chapter 2. And on Sunday mornings, we've been walking through the epistle of 1 John, verse by verse. And I would encourage you in your study time to read 1 John. These are letters meant to be read from start to finish. I would encourage you to sit down, read 1 John from the beginning to the end. And it won't take long. Do it again and then again after that. And also read 2 John and 3 John. And we're in this series because, sadly, in the church world today, people are heading down roads that are very dangerous and destructive. They ruin, they wreck people's lives. And the people heading down these roads, they, they love to attack the epistle of James. They love to attack the epistle of 1 John. And there's, there's a lie that says we can just do whatever we want. We can just live however we want, and we're okay. Or we just do whatever we want. We just live however we want. We can walk in the darkness and we'll still be blessed by God. We'll still get to the right destination. And those are lies. Modern false teachers say it doesn't matter what we do, but consider what John writes. 1 John 2, beginning in verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. So see, if somebody says that they love Jesus but they don't live the life, they don't really know him. If someone says, man, I, I love Jesus, I love God, I love the house of God, but they don't obey the commands of God, they don't really know him. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. You go to the end of Revelation, Believe in chapter 21, and there, there is a list of those that are outside the city of God, those that are in the lake of fire for all eternity. And one of the things on the list is liars. And so we see the strong language, and we, we live in a time when no one wants to call evil, evil. No one wants to call wicked, wicked. No one wants to call sin, sin. No one wants to call what it is, what it is. But this word is a necessary word. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in him. And Jesus, when he dealt with the religious leaders in his day, he told them that they were just like their father, the devil, who is the father of all lies. And so see, we, we prove what family we're a part of by what we do. We prove what family we're a part of by how we act and how we conduct ourselves. We prove what family we're a part of by how we speak. 
If anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. Look at verse 17. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does. Why don't we all say it? Say does. The man or the woman who does the will of God lives forever. Verse 29. Everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Then going to the next chapter, chapter 3, verse 12. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. In verse 21, dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And this has everything to do, living the life has everything to do with answered prayer. Living the life has everything to do with our Heavenly Father hearing us and answering us. See, when a minister leads the people of God to believe that they can just live however they want and they're still going to be blessed, he's sabotaging them. He's sabotaging them. Because, you know, James talked about how if we're double-minded, we're not going to receive anything from God. Well, what about somebody who claims to walk in the light and yet they walk in darkness. Go back to 1 John chapter 1. John says that if we claim to walk in the light, yet walk in darkness, we lie. There's no truth in us, and we don't have fellowship with the Father. So we have to live the life. And as we learned the last two Sundays, part of living the life is walking in love. We'll deal more with that today. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. So if you want to have confidence when you pray, you got to live the life. You got to walk in the light. If our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask. Why? Because we obey his commands and we do what pleases him. And this is his command to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So as we've been learning, walking in the light, in truth, in righteousness, requires us being careful with our fellowship. The Bible says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. And again, we live in a time and a culture where no one wants to call sin, sin. If you go back to chapter one, we are to walk in the light. And we left off last Sunday dealing with the viewpoint of the world and learning how walking in the light and in truth and in righteousness, it requires that we be careful in our fellowship. We have to build friendships and relationships and connections with people who have a biblical, a Christian worldview. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit. You know, just because something is spiritual doesn't mean it's godly. Just because something is spiritual doesn't mean it's righteous. Now, a lot of believers walk by how they feel. They walk by their emotions. They walk by whether they do or do not have goosebumps we're to walk by the Word of God. And how do we judge things? By the Word of God. How do we evaluate things? It is by the Word of God. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test 
the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. In the first service, pastor referred to the passage in the Gospels where Jesus will say to those, and they'll say, they'll say to him, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils in your name? And he'll say, away from me, I never knew you, you evil doers. You know, just because someone says they're this or that doesn't make them this or that. We're to test, we're to discern. And how do we test the spirits? It is by the word of God. We're to judge every prophecy, every word that someone has. We're to judge every vision or every dream. And we're even to judge every minister by the word of God. We are to judge everything by the word of God. And remember that God's word is the standard by which we will all be judged. Every believer, when they step from this life to the next, will stand before Jesus Christ at his judgment seat to give an account for what we did with our lives. We're going to be judged by the word of God. And there's coming a day when the wicked dead will stand before Father God at the great white throne judgment. And what's he going to judge them by? He's going to judge them by his word. God's word is the standard by which we'll all be judged. Now keep your place in 1 John and look over at 2 Corinthians. And this has to do with fellowship. We're going to spend some time on this. The viewpoint of the world, the biblical, a biblical worldview, and fellowship. Who we hang out with, what we're known for, what we do and do not associate with, who we do and do not associate with. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul writes, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? The right answer is nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? And the answer is nothing. What harmony is there between Christ and Belial, demons? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live among them. I will walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be ye separate. See, we're not to be like the world. We're not to act like the world. We're not to talk like the world. And if the world looks at us and evaluates us and looks at our lives and how we live and what we do and they say, man, you're good, that, that means we're lost. We're on our way to hell. We are to come out from among them. I like the King James and be ye separate. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters. What fellowship? We would say it this way. What business has light to do with darkness? And the answer is none. And so we're to be careful in our fellowship. We're to be discriminating in our fellowship. Well, we're to be careful with what we associate our name with. Verse 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world. And if you read what Paul writes in Romans and 1st and 2nd Corinthians carefully, you'll see that the reason it matters how we live is when we're born again, our lives are no longer our own. We're born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God inhabits our lives. And so when we go places we shouldn't go, when we do things we shouldn't do, 
when we hang out with people we shouldn't hang out with, when we get into darkness, we're taking Christ to those places. And it is a grievous thing to God. Verse five, they are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. And this is where we left off Sunday. And this is one of the greatest challenges that we face today. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you have a career or business, whether you're raising children or not, this is one of the most crucial challenges that every Christian faces today in the onslaught of this wicked culture. And that is maintaining a biblical, a Christian worldview. Just when you think things could not get more wicked, they do. You know, if you had told me five years ago that what is going on in our nation today would be going on, I wouldn't have believed it. I would have thought, that, that, that's too far out there. But it is. And guess what? They're going to invent new perversions and new wickedness before the end of the year. One of the most crucial challenges facing Christian people today and Christian families today is maintaining a biblical, a Christian worldview. One of the greatest challenges we face in your home and in your family is maintaining a biblical, a Christian worldview. That's why you have to guard your home. That's why you have to guard your family. That's why you have to police and supervise what goes on in your home, what is watched in your home, what is listened to in your home. You know, recently there was a new animated film the kids wanted to watch about superhero stuff. But we, when there's a new film, Jessica and I'll read the review on PluggedIn.com, which is a ministry of focus on the family. And it's amazing how you think something is okay, but they'll sneak ungodly stuff into it. And the, the purpose is over time to get us to go along, to get us to think it's okay and to act like it's okay and to indoctrinate this next generation with the mindset that it's normal, that, that wickedness is normal, that perversion is normal. And so in your home, you have to monitor what's going on. In your home, you have to police what's going on. And on your TV and the apps you use, you have to police what's going on. Because they, they can see something and their, their eyes are being opened to something that is wicked or perverse or evil. You have to maintain a biblical worldview with your children and teach them from the Word of God what's right and what's wrong and why. Now, Sophie was asking me about some things this week, and so I explained to her that Jesus said, as in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. And so in this generation, as long as the Lord tarries, we're going to see wickedness like the days of Noah. We're going to see wickedness like the days of Lot. We're going to see wickedness like what Paul and the others saw in the days of Rome. You have to maintain a biblical Christian worldview with your children, with their friends, and their relationships. And this connects back to walking in love because if you tell your child you can't hang out with a certain person, they, they might feel like you're not walking in love, but you are because you're protecting them. You're doing what's best for them. No, you can't go to that. No, you can't hang out with so-and-so. No, you can't date so-and-so. 
And they, they might feel as if you're not walking in love, but you are because you're protecting them and you're safeguarding them and you're safeguarding their future. We have to guard our families with the friendships that are allowed. And again, where, where did children learn about evil, wicked stuff? And when we were little, Lester Summerall told my parents to keep us close, that when they traveled to take us with them, to not trust us to other people. And he told my parents that all things considered, children don't learn evil, wicked stuff at home. Where do they learn it? Well, they, they turn on the TV. Where do they learn it? On social media. You have to have filters. You have to have controls. You have to be supervised. You might say, Austin, all of that takes work. Yes! Sophie has a laptop now to do some homework on. I have that thing so locked down, I had to approve it so she could visit the church website. That's how locked down it is. But it took some work some effort to get there. They don't make it where you just click one button and you're good to go. So you got to put in the time, you got to put in the effort, and then because unfortunately this wicked, these wicked days we live in, when they ask questions, you got to pause what you're doing and take the time and sit down and explain things from the Bible and answer questions from the Bible and explain how they can talk to their friends and how they can present a biblical worldview from the perspective of the Bible and from not a worldly perspective of love but from a godly perspective of love. We, we love God and we love ourselves and we love each other and so we don't do certain things. We don't head down certain roads. Idolatry is putting anything ahead of the word of God. And we live in days where to be liked, to be accepted, to have money, to have success, people are putting anything and everything ahead of the word of God. Or for instance, when they find out that a family member or someone they care about has headed down a wrong, wicked road, they put family or a friendship or a relationship ahead of God and his word and they set the word of God aside to be liked and to be loving. But that is not the agape love of God. We speak the truth and we speak it in love. One of the most crucial challenges facing Christians and Christian families today is maintaining a biblical, a Christian worldview in our lives, in our homes, in our families, and doing that with education. Stop handing children over to the world to be corrupted, to be perverted, to be deceived, to be led astray. You might say, you sound old-fashioned. Yes. And even what worked for my parents with Christine and I, it, it's not going to work for our children because things are getting wicked. And things are getting wicked fast. So you have to do what you can to protect them and guide them. And then you have to protect them in, in dating and in marriage. What good does it do to raise them in church and to raise them in a godly environment and to see that they're not led astray in their education for them to begin in dating and marriage to get yoked together with a lukewarm Christian or to get yoked together with a Christian who doesn't have a biblical world view. One of the saddest kinds of stories in the news are stories about one parent having to take another parent to court to get them to stop 
leading their, a child down the road of moral and sexual confusion. To have surgeries that are irreversible. Our culture has not seen the anger of young people yet when they realize what this generation has done to them. Doctors and parents. And now this, this wickedness, it's becoming the new socially cool thing to do. And people are leading and guiding their children down those roads on purpose because it's cool. Just the other day, I read a news story about schools in Colorado. And the latest thing in some schools in Colorado is for children to call themselves dogs or cats, to go down the hallways on four legs at mealtime, to not use a fork or spoon, but to eat off their plate in the mess hall like they're a cat or dog. And in class, they're barking and meowing. We live in wicked days. And no one seems to have the courage to say it's wicked and it needs to stop. And so in your family, you're going to have to hold the line. You might say, Austin, that, that might make me not very popular. You've got to do what's right and righteous in the eyes of God for you and for your family and for your children to protect them so they're not led astray. I mentioned Lot. Lot separated from Abram. He first lived outside of Sodom, but then where was Lot eventually living? Inside of Sodom. And he let his daughters marry men from where? And the, you know, you read about it, they, they were wicked. And then when they left, they weren't glad to leave. His wife looked back where? To Sodom. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time as people walk down the road of sin, as people walk down the road of compromise. And so in your life, in your home, in your family, you've got to do everything you can do to maintain a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. And I, I know it's terrible to have to talk to our families about these things. I know it's terrible to have to sit down daughters and sons to explain these things. We have no choice because of the days in which we live. And so you have to purpose in your heart, like Joshua, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You have to purpose in your heart, according to 1 John, that in your family, doesn't matter what's going on, you're going to walk in the light as he is in the light. There's a man in the church and he works in the public school system and this is nearby in the school he's in. There's a confused young person, confused morally, confused sexually, and their chosen name that they want everyone to call him is Lucifer. So we need to give up the lie. We need to give up the pretense that this wickedness is only going on in New York or San Francisco or other places. We are living in wicked days. And so we have to walk in the light. We have to do everything that we can to protect our families. Just in the past seven days, famous minister who made the news this summer for standing up and telling people they no longer have to handle their finances the Bible way. They just live however they want and they'll They'll be blessed. And then he attacked the teachings of Jesus. 
and said that anything Jesus taught before his resurrection, we don't, we don't have to do, we don't have to live out, doesn't apply to us. In the past seven days, he welcomed into their church a politician who is one of the most pro-abortion politicians in this country. Election's not till Tuesday, but he re- in church, he referred to her as governor. She is for no restrictions whatsoever. She is for abortion up until birth. Recently, she even said that when women go and they, they hear the heartbeat of their child, that that's fake, that's fake news. Well, I beg to disagree. I went with Jessica, I heard the heartbeats of all five of our children. And I know that there are women and they, they have suffered greatly and they have cried many tears because they, they went and they heard the heartbeat of a child and for whatever the reason, then later there wasn't a heartbeat. They had to suffer and to walk through that. So a minister of the gospel welcomed that into his church. The Bible says, woe to those who call good evil and evil good and put light for darkness and darkness for light. Now see, how, how can I as a Christian vote for something that's evil or wicked or perverse or murderous on Tuesday and then on Wednesday ask the Lord to bless me? How can I be for something that God calls evil and then ask the Lord to answer me in my prayer life or to bless me in my finances or to protect my home and family? And so you go back to 1 John chapter 1. If we claim to walk in the light yet walk in darkness, we lie. We are deceived. The truth is not in us and we don't have fellowship with God. We are living in days of great, great deception. And one of the lies is that walking in love means that we go along with the evils of the world, the wickedness of the world, the perversities of the world. No, that's not the love of God. The love of God means we stand tall, we stand strong with God and his word, we speak the truth in love. We're salt in these days. We're light in these days. 1 John 4, verse 7, dear friends, let us love one another. You might say, man, why why is Pastor, why is Austin heading down this road? You know, I invited someone. It's their first time, and I didn't know he was going to get into this. It's because we love you. It's because we love your children. We love your family. We love your teenagers, your young adults, your young people. We want to see them in the city of God someday. And we're not going to get there lying to each other. We're not going to get there saying, you just live however you want. You know, one of the things that so breaks my heart, and Jessica will tell you, I do my best to stay off social media. I don't want to know. One of the things, though, that most breaks my heart is when a young person from the past will post about the evil or the wickedness they're into, And young people we know will like or love their post. It breaks my heart. And it tells me that even though we know them, we don't know them. Because they'll come and they'll they'll greet my parents or me and act like they're of like mind or like faith. But they'll like or love when a friend is heading down a road of sin or perversion or 
wickedness. They don't have the courage to tell them what the end result will be. Well, their souls are in jeopardy. Their souls are in jeopardy. And what they've embraced is, as we saw last Sunday in verse 5, they've embraced the viewpoint of the world. And to answer a question, Aaron and I have asked each other many times, that's why they don't want to listen to my father. That's why they don't want to listen to Aaron. That's why they don't want to listen to me. Because they have embraced the viewpoint of the world. And so we've got to do everything in our lives and in our families to stem the tide of this wickedness and to stand for truth and for righteousness. And we do this because of love. Dear friends, verse 7, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. I love the verse that says his banner, his protection over me is love. Everything that he has done is because he loves me. Every, everything that he has made available to us is because he, he loves us. And as my father has been emphasizing at 9 a.m., every command he has given is because he, he loves us. He wants us to have his best. He wants us to walk in his best. He doesn't want us to see us hurt or suffer unnecessarily in any part of life. And it's all about love, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. See, can I say I'm living through him if I'm walking in darkness? Can I say that I'm, I'm living through him if I, if I find out that someone I know or a friend from the past has gotten into something they should, and I tell him it's okay? because I'm putting friendship above God or friendship above the word of God. See, a passage that we don't deal with very much, it's going to become a reality in the days in which we're living. This is in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not, this is Jesus. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Well, what are these divisions the result of? People following Christ and people choosing to not follow Christ. If you're light and salt and you follow Christ, there's going to be division. There's going to be disagreement. You're going to have to stand with God and with his word. You're going to have to speak the truth in love. Anyone, verse 37, who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And anyone who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. Whoever loses life for my sake will find it. So you tell someone you know or someone you love or someone who is a family member, look, this is wrong according to the word of God. That is love. You tell them that if you head down that road, like Romans 1, it'll lead to depression. It'll lead to a depraved mind. It'll lead to doing the things that ought not be done. If you have the courage to tell them that, that is love. It's not love to go along with wickedness. 
It's not love to walk through this wicked age like this. It's not love to hope for the best. It's not love to let your children figure it out for themselves. There's too much at stake in the days we're living in. As in the days of Noah. That we, verse 9, might live through him. Verse 10, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. In the past two weeks, there was another pastor, this one local. He welcomed into his church a politician that is on the record saying that any churches that don't go along with this immorality and perversion ought to have their tax-exempt status taken away. He's also on the record for saying that in a situation where a young person wants to head down the road of moral confusion and their parents won't allow it, that the child ought to be taken from the parents. Now, how dare someone who calls himself a man of God have that in his church? We are living in wicked, wicked days. And so we have to be salt. We have to be light, no matter the cost, no matter the price. And we do this because of love. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Not by heading down the road of falsehood, not by lying to each other, not by saying you're okay, I'm okay, but calling each other to righteousness in the days in which we live. Calling each other to holiness in the days in which we live. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. Paul said it this way in Romans 8, beginning in verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs or co-heirs with Christ. Verse 14, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Verse 15, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. How do we do that? How do we acknowledge that he's the Son of God? We do it the way Paul described in Romans 10, 9 and 10. We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart. And that's what we saw last Sunday. That that's the command, to believe and to love. We confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart. We confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord. And we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead. And Paul says that when we do that, we are saved. Verse 16, and so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. In this world, we are like who? In this world, we are like who? Now, can I say that I'm like Jesus if I'm walking in the darkness? Can I say that I'm like Jesus if I'm on social media liking and loving the post of those that are headed down the road of sin or things that are going to wreck and ruin their lives? Can I, can I say that in this world I'm like Jesus if I'm a 
approving of and tolerating ungodly things. Can I say that I'm like Jesus if I don't stand tall for God and for his word? Can I say that I'm like Jesus if I lack the courage to speak the truth in love? Can I say that I'm like Jesus if I lack the courage to set a standard of righteousness in our family? In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence. Say, say confidence. You read Revelation, you find out he, he's coming for his church. We're, we're given a robe, a garment of salvation. It is white. And we are to keep that robe clean and unsullied from this world. Which means, as John says, we have to walk in the light. And as we walk in the light, we have confidence. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. Because in this world, we are like him. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. If you live right, you won't be afraid of being found out. If you live right, you won't be afraid of having to pay the price for being found out. Fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So again and again and again, John brings us back to love. We're to love God. We're, we're to love his word. We're to love each other. We are to walk in love. And maybe in your life you've wondered, what, what has been the hindrance to blessing? Focus on walking in love. But it's not a worldly love. It's not based on feeling. It's not based on emotion. It's based on the word of God. It's based on what is right. It's based on what is true. It's based on what is pure. It's based on what is holy. It's based on what is righteous. It is selfless. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. So today, this message, this service, I have spoken the truth. Why? Because I love you. Because God loves you. Because I love you. And you go home to your family, to your loved ones, your, your family members, those closest to you, you speak the truth in love. Why? Because you love them. And when the world presents you with an opportunity to head down a wrong road, you choose the road of righteousness. Why? Because you love God. Because you love his word. Because you love yourself in Christ. Because you love your husband or wife. Because you love your family, your children. And you realize this life is not just about us. That if you head down a wrong road, That'll be a bad example. And so we do what's right because of love. We live for God because of love. 
in wicked days we stand for truth and righteousness because of love. And we don't do anything to compromise the love we have for God. Please bow your heads. You might be here today and say, Austin, I've heard you talk about the love of God. I've heard you talk about Jesus and what he's done for us, but I, I don't know him. I don't have a relationship with him. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes upon him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the command to first believe upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And he said, no one who comes to me why in any way cast out or turn away. Now is the time of salvation. This hour is the hour of salvation. And if you give your life to him, he, he will welcome you and you'll be a part of the family of God. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I've never asked Jesus into my heart, but I want to. I want to give my life to him. I want to be saved. I want to be a part of the family of God. If that's you this morning, wherever you're seated, raise your hand where I'll see it and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Say, Austin, pray with me. You might also be here today and at a time in your life, you prayed a prayer, you, you walked an hour, but you know in your heart, you've not been living for God. There, there has been darkness. The Holy Spirit has been dealing with you about it. And what Paul said is true, quoting from the Old Testament. That, that's what the Holy Spirit says to you today. Come out from among them and be ye separate. That, that's how you live a life that is pleasing and acceptable, Lord. You gotta come out from the world. You gotta leave the darkness behind and come out into the light. If you're here today and say, Austin, that's me. I, I need to recommit my life. I want to make things right with God before I leave the day. That's you wherever you're seated. Raise your hand, raise it to where I'll see it, and I'll know you want me to pray with you. Father, we thank you for your word. It's gone forth as a seed planted into good ground. We thank you that it will bear a harvest 30, 60, and 100 fold. You might be watching or listening now or later. Say, Austin, pray with me. Repeat this simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I repent of my sins, and I ask Jesus to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I give you my life. Thank you for setting me free of anything that would hinder me in living for you. In Jesus' name. If you pray that prayer, watching or listening online, we want to be a blessing to you. Visit the address on the screen. We'll send you a copy of God's very own child. We'll get it, help you get started in living the Christian life. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to bless you with a Bible. You know, the reality is in our nation, 30, 40 years for the sake of success, for the sake of money, for the sake of growth, men of the cloth have made the Christian life easy. And they've and trying to make it easy and acceptable to the world. They've done everything they can to strip it of its holiness, its purity, its righteousness. They've done everything to strip it of the commands of God, the requirements of God. 
But that's not the life that pleases God. The life that pleases God is you saying the Lord. As Paul said, I, I offer my life, I offer my family, I offer my home as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable, pleasing unto you, and going all the way with God. No compromise, no lukewarmness, no plan with the world, but all in with God.